Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we talk to interesting guests who will challenge your thinking and create impact in the world. Yeah, it's not often enough that we're thinking about thinking. We had a great conversation today with Justin Muscolino. And I got to say, I could just listen to it all day because it makes me remember my days on Long Island. And I, you know, enjoyed chatting with him about the word boss and how it's used over there. Now, Justin doesn't see himself as, as a boss, but we do. And I'm sure you will after you've listened to this interview. After you've listened to this boss interview. <laughs> Without further ado, let's listen in. All right. So give us uh, a little bit of background on that painting behind you and uh, all the rest of your life. Well, we only have 15 minutes, so I'll try to make it really brief. It's interesting. Like My ex-girlfriend, we used to plan these food tours. So we started a location and go, you know, three, 400 miles east, west, north, south. Well, not west because we'd be in the water. But we actually went up to Newport, Rhode Island, and we tried all these restaurants. And we came up to an estate sale. And I didn't even really like the painting that much. I thought it was okay. It was the driftwood frame. I'm like, that is cool as crap. That I really <laughs> yeah. dig. So that's what enticed me to it. And plus, I needed a little blue in my living room. I love that. I also love the last minute correction from cool as fuck to cool as crap. That was that was a really nice, that was a good course correction. <laughs> you got to know your audience, right? Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Now, I... In terms of if we were to if we were to kind of analyze all of your businesses and all the work you've done to this point in your life, how would you summarize that in, I don't know, a couple of sentences? Lessons learned are the most important aspect that you take away from any situation. You have to be able to uncover at least something. Because if not, you're not really looking to improve or better yourself with the people around you. So you can't overanalyze, but there's usually at least a couple of points you could take take away right away. And that's how you become a more effective leader, person, and everything else. And that's what I always do. I always look at situations and see what I could do bigger and better the next time forward. So, Justin, um, you're a, you're an education geek, right? You you compliance and governance and training examiners for Finra and all sorts of wonderful stuff. How do you maintain your sense of humor when you're such a an education focus geek. Well, Randy, the way you put that compliance examiners, that sounds pretty boring and bland, right? Um, yeah. When it comes to learning, when you're in learning, you got to really care about helping people. If you don't, then you're there for the minimal paycheck. So whatever I do, I try to bring the passion, desire, and you know that attitude where I do want to help people with their career, uh, you know, either professionally or personally, but you got to make it fun. I mean, listen, how, how much of our time are we at our jobs or doing our work? If you don't enjoy it and you can't get out of bed, then why get out of bed? 
So when you say have fun, are you talking song and dance? Are you talking about passion? Are you talking about maybe, you know, a bit of gambling, a bit of bingo, something like that? Is that how you make learning fun? That's a good question. What I would say is you got to know your audience, how to bring out the best of them. If I have to stand on a desk and, you know, shake a little bit and that works and it drives home the points, I'll say there's a 50-50 chance of me going forward with that. But the more you understand about the people in your room, the people you're talking to, the more you can actually align with what they're looking for and the best way to approach them. Because you know, the retention aspect, people fall short on. You know, I mean, if you're just up there lecturing, you're going to fall asleep, you're going to check your phone, you're going to drift off. But if you know what you're getting involved with, just the little quirks, it really goes a long way to making sure that people get the best out of the, the conversation, the session as possible. Let me uh, slice this a slightly different way. So, muscolino, uh, some Italian? Let's just say a, a, a mutt, but I'm a better looking dog. <laughs> now, you got a little Italian, you got a little European, you got a little bit of everything. So, hopefully, I have the, the, the good mix of everything. So, and you are a New York mutt? You figured that on the accent? Really? <laughs> Is that so obvious, I, I spent I spent a bunch of my life on Long Island uh, and fell in love with coffee, talk, and a boss. The best the best thing is you walk into a pizza place and they call you boss. It's the it's the nicest. I mean, people might be, not be friendly right away, but if you walk into a pizza place and they call you boss for the price of a dollar per slice, that's 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 gold. Well, if you get a discount with the pizza, then yeah, they could call me anything they want. Um, but you know that that term "boss" is you know, I, it's not some. Listen, you know, I got into my my job because it's not for the glory or the fame. It's really for helping people. So I don't like to be the center of attention. I'd rather let everybody else do, get that fame. So when I go to a pizza place, I've been called boss. I'm like, nice to me. I'm Justin. Um, and yes, I am in Long Island. Yes. So you could talk a little bit about the accent, born and raised, and I moved back here recently. In which part of Long Island? I am in Hicksville right now, dead center. So I get the best of four worlds. You you are known by everyone because of the good old Long Island Railroad. I don't know if I'm infamous or whatever you want to call it. Oh, you're talking about the actual Long Island. Oh, my bad. Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a beauty of Long Island. During COVID, it got a little bit stale living in the city. And, you know, my whole thing was I got to move out to Long Island and get a little bit more nature. It's, um, you know, it's a, a good time. And plus, getting around on Long Island is pretty easy. So, so if we dive into your New York past, your, your very kind of various, yeah, I don't know, family lines, all that stuff. Where, where did you inherit the, um, you've got the hustle. It's, it's sort of, you know, you, we can tell. But at the same time, there's just this overwhelming desire to, to help folks. So I'm curious where that came from. Is that from one of your parents, from grandparents, from a teacher? Where, where does that come from? It's probably a mixture of everybody. You know, I'm, I always say I'm not a salesperson. I really don't like the name. I just love what I do, you know, and sometimes I'm animated. Sometimes I'm passionate. Well, actually, I, yeah, hopefully I exude passion because that's the number one thing I always try to convey. But uh, yeah, it's like a compilation of everybody. I got the good, the bad, and the sometimes ugly. 
And I'll, I'll ask my last question, then pass back across the table for, I think Randy will do a good evisceration over there. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah. my, my last question for you is, if you had kind of one spider skill that other folks don't have, what do you think that is? You know, when you're, tr- you're trying to be a leader in an organization, I think the biggest key is having emotional intelligence. That is the biggest factor because you come across situations where it tests your emotions. In order to make really good decisions, you need to keep that in check, regardless of the situation. And it's not, it's not a skill I learned from reading books. It's by being in those situations for such a long time. So that, that is one of the skills I've developed. And I found it really useful, especially when people come up to me with um, situations where it really could test your patience and your emotions. So if you were if you were to define that in a way that others don't define, so emotional intelligence, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. How do you say that in a way that's different than other folks? I'll give you a situation. Say your friend borrows your car, right? Uh, they bring the car absolutely totaled. Are you gonna ma- are you gonna get emotional about the situation? Are you gonna take a step back and really analyze and say, "Oh, are you all right? Is everything good?" Emotions dictate sometimes poor responses, and you want to be able you want to be able to sit back, get the emotions out, and really analyze the situation and give really solid responses that are more based on fact and the current environment. That's that's my definition or my interpretation. So I think that's interesting, Justin, because uh, four, six weeks ago, something like that, I had a uh, had a young guy, I'm guessing he was 18, 19. Oh, I must take this that phone is, call. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, there's two rings that I love, and that just came in the top two. The other one is that submarine, the beep. Oh, yeah. Yep. That is my favorite, and I can't get that on my phone at all. There's a friend look. of mine has has an Android and it has the most ridiculous ring. I forget. I forget what it was. I programmed it on there. He's not a phone kind of guy. Right. So, <laughs> love that sidetrack. We'll get back to Randy in a second. So, <laughs> if I were to dive into your personal brand a little bit more, I'm still sensing a little bit of a almost a smoothing over of your brand to to say you know emotional intelligence to say to kind of sort of vanilla business person a little bit. So I'm curious what the weird bits are. So what's what makes you really different and strange and quirky and odd? I, I like those characteristics. I, I say interesting because what you see is what you get. I'm going to answer every question with an honest response. If you don't want that honest response, then don't ask the question. So now we're my, getting to it. So, so you yeah. were talking earlier about like the Emotional intelligence is when someone comes in with the totaled car or whatever, as well as that, the honest, unfiltered response. So now we're getting mm-hmm. to it. So the, 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 that sort of the gut go-to reaction, you kind of, it sounds like you tap into that in some ways and then let it power good. I use it all the time, personal and professional life. You know, my philosophy is why waste time and sugarcoat? Just get to the point. Because, I, you know, one thing is you know, when I talk to people who just dance around the answer to a question, it's frustrating and annoying. I'm like, just answer it. I mean, you're pro- what, what, what you're about to say, everybody is thinking. Just answer the damn question. <laughs> so that's why, like, um, you know, with work, personal life, you know, I'm just straightforward and let it out. If people don't like it, you know, I wish them the best of luck. 
So how does so how does that inform the business that you've built now? How does that sort of sensibility, the honesty, the kind of unpolished piece, how does that um, affect the business or, or, or drive the business? You know, it's about establishing relationships. You know, when you work with people and you want them part of the group or part of the community that you're building, you got to be straightforward and honest with them. And that's why we have such a good support mechanism, not just internally, but with the speakers, the partners we bring aboard, because I just let it out. If they want an answer to something or they, I need to brief them on something, I'm going to give them the lay of the land and I'm going to make it short and sweet. So what's your take on how kids are these days? Because it feels like kids have a little bit less polish too. They're, they're kind of, they shoot from the hip. Well, you think about a couple different examples. Think of spell check. Think of all these technology solutions that are making kids well, spell checks are one of the examples. The whole point is technology is making people lazy. It's doing everything for them. I mean, listen, during COVID, I could sit in my living room on my couch. I can order food. I get my laundry done. I could order anything I want, and I don't have to move my ass off the couch. So with that mentality in mind, you know, it's making people not as motivated as they used to be. It's not just a COVID thing. It's something that we were going to. Uh, people are getting lazier and less motivated because of the use of technology. So, I'm a, hey, listen, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I, I leverage technology, but I do get off my ass as much as I can to kind of enjoy the outdoors and, you know, make my life better. But, you know, my kids, and the last thing, I'll stop talking, Ken. My kids, 13 and 16, right, come over and they text each other five feet away. <laughs> five feet away. Are you freaking kidding me? You know? Get off the freaking phone, talk to each other, and, you know, show a little bit of personality, show about what, what you're about. And I think that's what technology is doing to the younger generation and now, you know, the older one as well. Yeah, it's the, the and COVID has made people even more scared. So, what, so where should we be going? And go, feel free to, to talk about where people can find you, but where should we be going in the future, post-COVID, 2020s, where's the world headed? I mean, look at look at the trajectory, right? Uh, this whole COVID thing really set us in a, a trajectory where we're going to leverage technology. We're going to make things faster and quicker, right? I mean, you look at the vaccine. Vaccine was out in a matter of, I don't know, a year or so. That's unheard of. R&D, uh, pushing out drugs, you're looking at 5, 10, 15 years. I think that kind of philosophy and that kind of speed is going to drive a lot of what we do, you know? And... I think going forward, we have to embrace technology, but we also have to look at the softer side, you know, the communication with one another, you know, get on a phone with somebody, get off text and actually let them hear your voice because that pisses me off. You look back at the 80s, right? 90s, when customer service actually meant something to somebody, you know, I always tell people, I'll still send you a fruit basket on the holiday or send you a Christmas card or Hanukkah card because I love that. I love that attention. I love the directness. It makes people so warm and fuzzy, but that warm and fuzzy feeling is kind of fading away, just in my opinion. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it, it almost feels like I, I'm curious to see where things go in this coming one to two years because it feels like people are going to unplug like crazy and be like, "I'll talk to you in a year and a half." Yeah, <laughs> I'm go travel the world. It'd be interesting to see what that bounce back looks like, or if if everybody just kind of stays scared. Well, you know, what did, if you look at COVID, I mean, we're still going through it. I mean, not everybody's vaccinated, whatever the reasons, I'm not going to get into any, uh, any of that, but 
you're stuck in the house for a year, right? And I forgot the name of the phobia where you don't want to go outdoors. Agora, nah, Agoraphobia. Yeah. Agoraphobia, right. So if I'm sitting indoors for a year, maybe even more, am I going to get my ass outside my house or my apartment or whatever? You know, these kind of things have a big factor in the future. It's like historical events dictate change, right? And most of it could be forced or could be organic. 100%. So Randy's back. Randy, I love that <laughs> ring. We were just talking about you. What do you love? The ringtone. Oh, my ringtone. Yeah. It's, I don't know where it came from, but that was actually my vet telling me my dog is okay. So that was good news. Oh, good. So, good news. Good yeah. to hear. Good news. Yeah, just so ask to... that financial question. Now I've got to get back on track. Now you've caught me off guard. Um, I am looking at your website, tweezel.com, which is a great name, and I'm sure there's a story behind that, which I'd love you to get to in a minute. And double uh, E, double Z, kind of clever. Double Z, it's twice as easy, but anyway. Um, <laughs> that, that's my version of a dad joke, which was really bad. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out in my head what the business model is. So you're creating, you're helping people create entertaining education programs, but who pays? That's a really good question. And we're not a nonprofit, even though I'd love to be uh, in some capacity in the future. You know, we try to bring in people who are really passionate about what they do. And you look at compliance in general, it could be boring, bland and dry, but there's some really cool stories in there. I mean, you talk about like any money laundering, you know, how do people launder money? How do we catch them? There are movies made about this. Mm -hmm. So why can't we bring learning and entertainment together? It's and now not, you can even launder money from your couch. Exactly, Kent. Yep. <laughs> I, you can do it from anywhere, you know, work anywhere environment. But, you know, with our subscribers, we have a subscriber base. Our role is to get them the best content we can develop or we can get from really passionate speakers and partners. So everything we do, whether our Tweezinars or our Tweezle Talk TV, all our mediums are, are really for the benefit of our subscribers so they mm -hmm. can learn and also get entertained because that creates retention. So that didn't answer my question as to who pays because somebody has to pay. Oh, subscribers. Subscribers pay. Subscribe. So it's a paying subscription yeah. service. Ah, that was unclear to me and maybe I didn't read deeply enough, but. Nice. I, I love subscription models. Mm -hmm. Very good. So where, do, where do you wish, one last question, where do you wish to take the business? How big do you yeah. it's not. It's not really about expansion, about getting around the world and all of that. It's really, you know, treating learning the way it's supposed to be. You know, when I talked about earlier, like if you're in education for the glory of the fame, you're in the wrong business. You have to have a desire to really help people and watch people grow. And that's like the concept that we're trying to derive and hit home. You know, listen, we, we might have opportunities to get around the globe. Great. But it's really the messaging that we're trying to change learning because of our experience in the corporate environment and also externally. It's fun. I mean, it's fun as shit. I mean, listen, I meet great people every freaking day. I met mm -hmm. colonels and ex-cons and all these people have amazing stories to tell based on real life circumstances. That's learning. I mean, people are learning from those and they know how to like change their professional and personal lives based on it. 
I'm a big, I'm a big believer in learning being much easier if you hear a story that you remember. So storytelling is is the biggest part of learning in my history. It's always people's stories, people that can tell stories. I remember stories, I don't remember facts. Yeah. And think about it. I think I always bring up this example, the movie Catch Me If You Can. Leonardo DiCaprio played Frank Abagnale, right? It's all about bank fraud. I mean, Mm -hmm. think about it. You're learning a little bit. I know it's a movie. It's not 100% real life. But think about the other aspects of that that you don't hear in the movie that could help you from a risk perspective inside your organization. So think about that a little bit. And that's what we're trying to do. We're not creating movies. We don't have that budget. But we're trying to tell stories where people can learn in different capacities. Love that. Yeah. Uh, so one thing, just to, just because I have to always say what I observe, what I one thing I observe is that you have a similar tendency to what I have, which is to want to be humble or to be humble, both. Uh, but where you, you know you're talking about the pizza, it's like, hey, boss, here's your slice, <laughs> and you're and you're like, no, nah, my name's Justin. You know, yeah. cool. But what I think, what I think would help, I don't think you need to scale your business and make a multi-million, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation or something. Mm-hmm. But stepping out of the shadows a little bit, you're a charming dude. So I think kind of sharing your thought leadership on slightly higher uh, level, because I think when you start talking about compliance stuff, it is boring unless you talk about it, mm-hmm. unless your people talk about it. So I think just a little bit of that will go a really long way. But it, it is strange for sort of humble people to, to step out uh, front. Well, my, I learned something from my kids. I always learn from my kids. Sharing is caring, right? Because if you really care about somebody, you're going to share with them. And that's the fun part, right? Like if I help two people connect and they, you know, they hit it off, it's not like dating. I'm talking about the business life. You know, I, I get something out of it, man. I love it. So... You know, we have a community of partners and everybody. It's kind of like a family. We give each other crap all the time. But it's, you know, we help each other out as much as we can. That's, that's awesome. So, Justin, we've come to the end of our time. I am really looking forward to listening to this podcast because I missed the whole same section on it. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to going back and listening to it. You've been a fabulous guest. You're a lot of – it's been awesome. Where can folks find you? Yeah. Where can folks find you? Well, I'm not hiding. So either check me out on LinkedIn, come to tweezel.com, send smoke signals, whatever you want. I'll pick up one of them. Tweezel with a double E, double Z. Yep. And if you look at the middle, it's easy. It's twice as easy. Exactly. The joke you didn't make the first time. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. This has been really fun, Justin. Thanks. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Randy. Thanks a lot, Justin. So thanks to Justin Muscolino for a really invigorating conversation. It got kind of exciting for a little while there. Uh, some passion, some interesting stories. And uh, Randy, what's your takeaway? He makes me want to sing and dance. He makes me want to entertain you. And he makes me want to educate you. So amazing stuff. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's an assessment there. It doesn't take long to fill out. And uh, if you want to subscribe or rate or berate us, uh, feel free to do that. No, don't don't berate us. Just just rate us five stars. So 
subscribe to us or we'll send the boss to you. <laughs> Have a good life. Talk soon. <laughs>